Welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan Koenig here along with Jacob. And this week, finally, we have some football to talk about. Week one has already happened, so I'm super excited for that. Jacob already repping a losing team. (laughs) But I'll let Jacob go ahead and tell what else we're going to talk about today. All right, so so we're going to get in for the NFL. Football is finally back. As he said, we're going to give our thoughts on week one as well as previews slash give our thoughts about week two and Washington plays tonight against the New York football giants. Um, Moving on to hockey, since nothing's going on, we are going to continue what we did last week, um, which is do the all-time caps lineup. Then finally for baseball, we're pretty much going to rehash what we've been saying um, the last few weeks about the, um, the NL East and Tristan's going to give us, give us some updates from that. So let's get right into it. Yeah. All right. So, well, first we'll last week you had Washington beating the chargers and Atlanta beating the Eagles. Neither of those happened. So you're zero and two on season. I had the chargers winning and the Eagles winning. 2-0. and um, Starting to remind me of my Stanley Cup predictions where it went to crap in the first round. Honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we'll look at the Redskins game first. I mean, you guys put up a good fight. Taylor, your yeah. chosen, chosen one, though, and quarterback is already down. What are you going to do now? Yeah, um, uh, people really like starting to get in like panic mode, like, oh my gosh, we're such a bad team. This is bad. But I look at it this. Um, we played like crap and we still had a chance to win it. Um, it was 20 to 16. Um, we definitely struggled over the open field. Justin Herbert was able to dot the secondary oh, up. Our defense. Justin Herbert was a monster. He but, was. Um, just- but one good thing I think our defense did is I think we were pretty good in the red zone. Um, the touchdown that they won that was in the red zone, that's because they're on the three-yard line after an Antonio Gibson fumble. But I think our red zone defense was pretty good, but we lost as a team. I know a lot of people are wanting to blame the secondary, but our defensive line didn't play good enough. Our linebackers didn't play good enough. Our secondary did not play good enough. Um, we couldn't get like any penetration through their offensive line which was surprising maybe it's just rust and they're just need to get their mojo back hopefully in tonight's game but um it it was a frustrating game to watch it really was um but we had a chance to win I still don't like Scott Turner as our offensive coordinator he seems to always sacrifice one like our offense if he chooses running he barely throws when he throws he barely runs um, I just think we need a better mix of that, and we need to get the ball to Terry McLaurin more, like whether it's just three-yard passes and letting him work. Did you see that catch? That, that was catch an insane was, catch. To have the composure to be catch. able to track that ball and then contort his body the way he did and get it through another two or three defenders, that was insane. That, oh that, that, that was really good. That's what I'm saying. We need to get – the ball to our playmakers we really do like you see a lot of teams just throw it to two yards to their wide receivers and let them get yards after catch that's what we need to do you guys honestly i think you guys are in better hands with taylor heineke starting than ryan fitzpatrick 
I think he proved himself last year against the Bucks. The fact that he almost beat the Bucks, and that, he had that, that was insane. Yeah, he had that amazing uh, scramble and ended up scoring on it. He did something to his rib, I believe. Rib. Uh, I, th- I thought it was his hip, but I know he did something somewhere. Uh, but yeah. I know he uh, he got injured. I think you're in better hands behind him at quarterback than you are with Fitz Tragic. Uh, so. I mean, the pass he had was an absolute dime, put it in the perfect place for only Logan Thomas to be able to get it. The Chargers defense absolutely, or Justin Herbert absolutely annihilated your secondary. He made your secondary look like a peewee team. I mean, like we every, had some good plays, but our secondary gave him way too much time. Every pass was secondary you have. That much time in a good quarterback, he's going to die you up. Every pass was perfect. It was, oh my gosh. I was watching the highlights because I didn't get to watch. I didn't even get to watch the Eagles game in real time, let alone the uh, Washington game. So I was, uh, I watched the highlights and oh my gosh, every pass was just beautiful. And that's, that's, I think your secondary is going to be the fall of your, uh, of your defense. I mean, Um, I think, I don't think it will be um, like, you're starting, a third, you're starting a third-round pick on the outside. He played – he didn't play he that safety, bad, but he didn't, didn't play, he play that good. In college? Huh? Didn't he play safety in college at Minnesota? I thought he was a cornerback. No. I'll double-check on that, but I'm yeah, – Tristan, sure. it wasn't just our secondary. Yes, our secondary p- played bad. It's because our defensive line didn't get enough um, – penetration our linebackers didn't do good enough because it seems yeah, like always getting the ball thrown over them and leaving a zone open um our defense failed as an entire unit i don't blame it on a specific unit i think our secondary we saw some good plays from cam curl and william jackson had a really nice interception tricking of justin herbert so for in order for our defense to succeed Succeed, we need to get more pressure on the quarterback, plain and simple. So it does say uh, that he played corner at Minnesota. I thought I saw something where he played uh, where he played safety in college, which, I mean, e- even then, safety and corner, it's not that big of a jump. It is a big jump, though, because you're going from – I mean, safety, you're not really playing man coverage on anyone unless, it's it's, unless they're all wide and you guys are playing man coverage. So, I mean – it's not it's not a huge jump, but it is still a pretty big jump to go from safety to uh, corner. Uh, the Eagles game, I can even what the say hell that I am surprised <laughs> at the result of that game. I really do. I was a wow. I okay. Now, don't get me wrong. We stomped the Falcons, and one either like just from looking at the score. If you didn't see the game, just from looking at the score, you think either were really good or the Falcons are really bad. But I mean, if you actually saw the game and saw how it went down, we did not execute at all. I mean, like we, the amount of times we had the ball, we could have easily put up 50 points easily. But I mean, the, the Atlanta defense was still all over the ball, still not really giving us chances. Um, Jalen Hurts did look really good though. I like the way Jalen Hurts looked. Devonte Smith had the best week of all the rookies. So I really like the way he looked. Uh, they looked like they had a lot of chemistry together. And I know they played a little bit in college together, but that was four years ago, essentially. So yeah. 
there's a little bit of a uh, time in between there, but Devonte Smith looked good. Jalen hurts looked good. Jalen Rager had a nice screen for a touchdown. Miles Sanders. He looked really good. He had a 70, 70 yards rushing. Uh, so yeah, I think the Eagles, I don't think we executed as well as we could have. We did end up putting down the Falcons in the end. And I think they played well enough, but they didn't play great. What, what we're going to have to work on more going forward is the offense and defensive line are the structure of the team. And I think if, as long as they stay healthy and strong, then we'll have a pretty decent, pretty decent chance throughout the season because our secondary looked really good too. Darius Slay only had two completions for 14 yards on him. So I, he looked really good. Yeah. Um, that was a really surprising game to see when I was – I always periodically check the scores when I'm, I'm watching the Washington game. And I saw that you guys were winning and that Devontae Smith had a very nice route run and a touchdown catch. So he definitely looks good. But I do agree with you that I think your offense is going to need to be a better because in down down the line – do I think your defense will be will be able to hold up as well as it did against the Falcons? No. You're going to need to score a lot of points to hopefully just outduel the other team's offense because I think your defense could really get you in trouble if your offense isn't up to par. Yeah, our offense did not play the way they should have. Uh, he had six of eight targets for 71 yards and a touchdown. And his touchdown, it was a beautiful touchdown pass. It was like – tightly in the Ask front, catch, yeah, front corner like he had to turn his body it, it was a good catch uh looked really nice for a rookie and i heard the stat yesterday he had 49 touchdowns in college that's, that's yeah that's like the all-time greats average between 20 and 30 and he had 49 so i mean even even if you were to score eight touchdowns for four four years you're still only getting 32 32 touchdowns and you're not going to consistently score eight touchdowns so he he has a knack for finding the end zone I'm I'm really excited to see what he does this season and the way Jalen Hurts played other reporters were raving on Jalen Hurts's ability to sit back and actually read the field he's no longer thinking run first he's trying to be more accurate and stay in the pocket more and he'll use that the running his running as his last last option which you saw in the game he ran really well when he needed to so um, the offense needs to step it up a bit because the defense is not going to hold because our linebackers are still terrible because the eagles don't look for linebackers so they're still terrible and the secondary has absolutely no depth after our first three we're then going to a fourth rounder and then a sixth rounder who's on IR currently. So we're trying to, the offense is going to have to really look to step it up, especially once the weeks start coming and injuries start happening because the injury bug hits the Eagles hard every single year. I can't remember a year where it hasn't. Yeah. Like even in the Super Bowl year, we had terrible. You lost, you lost Carson Wentz. Yeah. And we he was most likely going to be the MVP that year if he stayed healthy. He still could have been. I mean, he threw he threw for thirty four touchdowns that season, and the only player thirty three, thirty four, yeah. The only player who had more touchdown passes than him was Russell Wilson, and it was one. And Russell who Wilson won the played, MVP that year. I think it was Tom Brady. Uh, I I don't remember. Oh uh, yeah, I'm ninety nine percent sure it was Tom Brady. 
Uh, but yeah, Russell Wilson was the only one who threw for more touchdowns and he had 35 in three more games than Carson Wentz. Uh, so overall, I'd say it was a pretty good week. I mean, uh, especially now that the Eagles are number one in the division, sole possession. <laughs> you know what that means? We're winning the Super Bowl. Let's go. Philly, Philly. Uh, you're starting to sound like a Cowboys fan now. but Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually realistic. I don't know if we're <laughs> even going to make the playoffs. Uh, all right, so let's look at this week's games. We'll start off with Washington again. You guys have the Giants on yeah. Thursday night in Washington. Yeah. How do you like your odds? Um, I really, I really like our chances. Um, last week, like what I've seen from the highlights against the Bengals, they did not look impressive whatsoever. The offense only scored 13 points and Saquon only had like 24 yards rushing their offensive line. I saw a picture of their offensive linemen blocking each other. Oh yeah, I I saw that. I just think that shows the state of the Giants. I think their defense is decent, but nothing special, but more than anything, I think this is a really must-win game for us because we're going to have a lot of tough matchups coming up. It's important for the division, and it's important for our confidence, I believe. It's important for us to get our mojo back coming off of a very frustrating and difficult game. Um, our defensive line is really going to have to capitalize on this opportunity um, for them to get in to their season form they want to be and I think this is a really really big game that you guys I think your defensive line should have at least five sacks tonight at least yeah at least Giants have a terrible offensive line I want to see Chase get at least two I we really need to capitalize on this if you guys were able to sack Carson Wentz nine times last year in week one where we had all of our offensive linemen except Jason Peters because I think yeah. he was hurt by like the third play of the game it's Jason it was, it was something like quick like that yeah it's but uh if you were able to sack Carson Wentz nine times when we had the bulk of our offensive linemen we should be able to get to Daniel Jones yeah Come you on. should be able to get to Daniel Jones pretty easily uh the Giants are three-point favorites though I think really it's it's close but yeah it's it's a three-point spread um so i think washington will win uh and then the the over under is 41 and a half do you guys think you'll i think it'll be the under like combined points um under i I think think it'll it'll be under under. i think it'll be like I I say it's going to be a twenty-one to thirteen game. Twenty-one thirteen. Yeah. And who who do you have winning? Pittskins. Washington. All right. I'm also going to take Washington because I think I think you guys are in better hands with Taylor Heineke. Like I said, and like I said multiple times leading into the season. Taylor Heineke will be the starter by week. <laughs> he was the starter and by the like second quarter. So you, you're, <laughs> your chosen one is gone. Like he he's done. Okay. So yeah. I think one thing about our offense, offense, Antonio Gibson looked very good besides that one play that inevitably lost us the game. He had 24 attempts for 90 yards with behind an offensive line. That is it's questionable. Nick Bosa was whooping our butts last week, but I think Antonio Gibson could be a thousand yard rusher this year. 
Yeah, so actually, it was Washington, our three-point favorites. Okay, that that makes a yeah, little more sense. Yeah, um, I read it wrong. So, uh, but I I do like you guys. I'm thinking if I think it'll it'll be also be the under just because I mean I don't think the the I don't think Daniel Jones will be able to do much. Like I said, I think Washington will get at least five sacks and you guys are going to win. If you get at least five sacks, you're in Washington. Uh, we just need to get at least one turnover and I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, I like your uh, chances for Washington to win tonight. So I'm also going to have Washington win. I'll say Washington wins 24, 14. So I, uh yeah, so Washington will be one and one. The Giants will be zero and two. Uh oh, one thing I wanted to talk about just from last week's uh Thursday night game. Did you did you see any of it? Yeah, I watched everything after the second quarter. Okay, like I started watching at the second. Did you see that pass that Dak Prescott had to CD Lamb, where uh it was four players around CD Lamb and CD Lamb dropped it. What what did you think of that pass overall? Um, it was a little stupid. It should have been an interception. I think the Bucks defense honestly could have had like three interceptions in that game, at least. And I think the um the Cowboys looked very good, but they just lost to Marcus Lawrence because he broke his foot in practice. Nice. Um, and they lost Michael Gallup for a few weeks, and who else did Lyle Collins? They just yeah, lost. Yeah, Lyle Collins got suspended for five years. Like people are talking about how their defense was a step up. That is the most ridiculous thing yeah, I've I, ever I heard. They let in thirty-one points, and the only reason they got two interceptions is because one of them was a hail mary. One the of other is Leonard Fournette's fault completely. Yeah, it wasn't Brady's fault whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So I was. I was talking to someone about that pass and he, he was trying to tell me to get Dak Prescott for fantasy. He was trying to tell me to trade for him. I'm like, I don't like, I'm like, I don't like him coming off of that injury. I don't like your offensive line. Like, I don't want that. And I go, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback with a really good offense around him. And he's like, what do you mean? He's a great quarterback. He was also a Cowboys fan. So, uh, it's like, he's a great quarterback. And, uh, so as we, so as I was talking to him, I go, did you see that pass that he had where uh, he like, he threw it into quadruple coverage. Don't yeah, get me wrong. It was, it was a beautifully delivered pass. CD lamb should have caught it. It was an amazing pass. It was word. Uh, but if that ball was tipped in any other way, it would have been intercepted. Like it, it's lucky because the way it hit his hands, it went straight down to the ground, but there were four people around him. If CD lamb would have caught that, he would have been clocked immediately. So I think uh, it was a dumb pass. I think it was a good, good placed pass, but it was a dumb pass overall. I just wanted to see what your opinion on that was. I think like what Dak did that game is high risk, high reward because like I said, he easily could have thrown three interceptions. And considering the Bucks lost like three players in their secondary, it could yeah, have. Did you see? For me other way did you did. see Murphy Bunting's hand? That's disgusting. Was, I'm glad they didn't show it on TV. But like, oh, it was disgusting. Dak, if Dak does that every week, which it seems like he does, because I don't think they're going to be handing the ball to Zeke a lot. 
Um, I really don't. Um, I can honestly see him throwing a decent amount of picks considering high pass, yeah, that's a high passing offense and that can be very, very dangerous. You also so. got to remember uh, McCarthy's coming from an, was coming from an offense where he had Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, he's a passing coach. He's not a running coach. Like, like I saw on Instagram or Twitter, somebody had a, um, their bets for over under. He had Tom Brady, He's bet $1,500 he'd have no interceptions, and he bet that Zeke Elliott would have over 13 carries. He lost both bets in $3,000. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. That's brutal. Uh, but, yeah, that's – wow. That, that game was good, though. I, that was a, that they, was a great game, though. If, if the Cowboys play like that all year, they have – They're the going to be a difficult team easily. to stop for anybody. Yeah, they, they have the division easily because that was a really well-played game. But, but I don't – It already seems the injury bug is starting to get to them. Yeah. And we love to see that as Washington yeah. Philadelphia fans. America loves to see that besides people in Texas and all the bandwagons around here. <laughs> I see Cowboys fans everywhere. I'm like, dude, how? Like, why? And, like, I'm fine with bandwagons as long as they come out and admit it. Like, just say, <laughs> okay, you're a bandwagon. Just stick with it. Just say it and I'll be fine. Or if you're a committed bandwagon where, like, you actually yeah. try to figure out about the team and, like, know something I'm- I did that with the Yankees because I started watching baseball in 2009 and the World Series that year was the Yankees and Phillies. Yeah, I know. And then I just became a Yankees fan and, like, stuck with them. So I admit I'm a bandwagon. Just at least do that, please. But, yeah, like you you said, you've, like, been a committed bandwagon. So, I mean, uh, so the Eagles – all right. I'm going to take – I don't know. I I think this is going to be kind of a hot. Do the take Eagles though. play this week. San Fran, but they're in Philadelphia, and I like. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say I, it. I like the Eagles here. Oh god, Dude, we're coming off of a okay, but this is like the only reason that I'll say this is I have my reasoning behind this. The reason that I think we can beat San Fran is because we're in Philadelphia. We're coming off an absolute stomping of Atlanta in Atlanta, who had won three of the previous four, four games in Atlanta before on a, before Sunday. So we went out there, stomped them in Atlanta. We're coming back home, and you know Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the most energized places to play in any sport. Like, and you could the, get hit with a battery. The the. the the fans <laughs> the fans are committed okay i think they're going to be coming back home to a full stadium i like our odds here i think we're going to beat san fran i'm going to give us a close uh maybe not close i'll give us a 31 24 win over san fran san fran's um, two and a half point favorites i think you're going to lose mainly because what i saw from san fran last week their offense did very well they ran the ball great, and Debo Samuel, the guy you didn't start in fantasy, oh my god, had a great game. He had over forty points. He had like one hundred sixty yards and a touchdown. So, I think it's going to be an offensive duel. But when it comes down to it, the 49ers defense, I think, is going to do a lot better than the Eagles defense will. And I think that their um, defensive line is going to be able to really give Jalen Hurts a true test. But if he wins, then I'll tip my cap to him. Our defense, we have – the only thing that we really have to worry about is George Kittle. So you got – you got a 
we we don't really have a linebacker to stop George Kittle, which is where I'm scared. But last That's year was the same thing with Kyle Pitts though. Last week, yeah, la- last year, yeah, we had Darius Slay lock down Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts, I mean, Darius Slay played a little bit on Kyle Pitts. Stevie Steven Nelson played a little bit on Kyle Pitts. I mean, they kind of rotated everyone around. They don't have to play as much man now. Now that we have Steven Nelson and they can actually have two outside good outside corners. Avante Maddox is going back to the slot, so we can actually play zone and man coverage instead of just playing man to lock Darius Slay on the top receiver. So last last year you saw like we shut down we didn't shut down George Kittle at all. He had 15 receptions, like 150 yards and a touchdown. Uh but we were still able to win. And that's what I see here is like we'll be we'll be able to shut down Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk with Darius Slay and Steven Nelson. I don't even know who their slot receiver is, so I I need I need to look that up. But their receivers after Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk drop off substantially, and Brandon Ayuk had zero receptions in Week One, zero targets in Week One, let alone any receptions. So George Kittle, as long as we can make George Kittle the only possible option, then I think we'll be decent. And they lost Raheem Mostert, so their backfield's a little bit jumbled up. So I like our odds to be able to uh, to be able to beat San Fran at home. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be 34-27. I think it'll be relatively close, but when it comes down to it, I just don't see your defense being able to hold up enough. Yeah, so they, they have Muhammad Sanu. But dang, I haven't yeah, I, I haven't didn't hear that name in a little bit. Yeah, since probably since he was on the Falcons. No, I'd say the Patriots. He was on the Patriots for a little bit, yeah. Their their slot receiver is Trent Sherfield. No and idea who that is. He had two receptions last week for 23 yards and a touchdown. Cool. So uh He's in his fourth season, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really, I think as long as we can keep George Kittle as the only possible option, I think we'll have a pretty decent shot at being able to um, come out with the win in Philadelphia. All right. So I have Washington and Philadelphia winning. You have Washington and San Fran winning. Hopefully I don't go 0-2 again. Well, if you go 0-2, that means I'd have to lose one too. So I agree. Uh. All right, so now let's get to another uh, all-time roster in the NHL. So last week we did the Flyers one. If you didn't see that one, go back and watch that. See where we align on our picks and see where we differ. There there were a couple surprises in there. I'm not going to lie. Jacob had one way higher than I thought he would be. Claude Drew on the second line. Yeah, so go back and just listen to that one. and give us your opinions on that. So this week we have the Caps all-time team. And before we start, this one was so much harder because I, you guys started only seven years later, but when the Flyers came out, they were contenders within the first couple of years. So, I mean, they we won had back-to-back titles. Yeah, we had, we had back-to-back titles. You guys were created in 74. So, yeah. We were within, horrible. Within, we won like seven games. Within seven years – we were already cup winners of then you never then you never won a cup after 
It's okay. We still have two. How many do the Caps have? There. We have one button, <laughs> but in a short amount of time. Uh, I, at least I've seen a cup in my lifetime. So, okay. At least I've seen a, a Lombardi trophy in my lifetime. We have two more than you still. <laughs> well, you just broke your logic. to, And you broke yours as well. It, yeah. I, I love... <laughs> we both I, broke each other's logic. That's, that's how it's like. If your team has more, you're like, oh, yeah, well, who has more? If your team has less, but you've won more recently, then you're like, yeah. yeah but we, yeah, it's just the way that goes. Uh, so, yeah, this week we have the Caps all-time team. I'll let you start because I want to hear who your first line is. I mean, and first line, left first, wing, man, wow. Yeah, I wonder who that's going to be. But, I mean, I think this one was harder just because, like I said, like we were almost contenders, like, right out the gate. So we had – a lot of good players years i was trying to look and especially in the like fourth line the fourth line i'm like i was lost the second line it got hard for me second line i was okay with third line i was having trouble finding wingers and the fourth line i had had trouble finding um third round third line left wing and pretty much the entire fourth line i'm i'm really excited to see who you have for goalies too because the goalies i think were interesting goalies for me that's a lot i already knew as soon as we talked about it yeah that's that's Um, that's what i knew that's what i knew starting at left wing obviously alex ovechkin the greatest player in caps history i think i think here's a hot take i think ov could possibly even though he hasn't surpassed uh even though he hasn't surpassed gretzky yet he might be the greatest goal scorer of all time. I think Even, he is the greatest goal scorer of all time, not just because I'm a Caps fan. If you look at also like what he does. Yeah, he's he's in a time where goalie pads are bigger. The goalies are more elusive and athletic than any other goalies there have been. I mean, just what he's been able to do with the puck to put it in the back of the net, I think is more than what Gretzky. Gretzky just had to put the puck on the ice and he would score because the goalies goalies had to drop down the butterfly. So, I mean, Gretzky had a lot easier of a time than Ovi does. So I think Ovi already is possibly the best goal scorer in NHL history. I think he's he's in the top 10 of all-time players already. I think same thing with Crosby. I think those two you can put in the top 10. But um, for my first line center, I have Nick Backstrom, obviously. Um, He's just been he's been Ovi's partner that's almost in his entire career. Great underrated passer, in my opinion. Um, and going to right wing, I have Mike Gartner. We oh, actually, we don't. We have a little bit, a little bit of a difference there. So I think I know who you have at right wing. You want to take a guess? Peter Bondra. Yeah. So I have a I have Ovi, obviously, Nick Backstrom, because what's Ovi without his setup man? Um and then Peter Bondra, who's another all-time great scorer for the Capitals. I mean, you have the best setup man in Capitals history with two of the best goal scorers in NHL his- or in Caps history. Like that's a that could be a nasty that's a one. nightmare. So that, yeah, I, I put those I put those two on the wings with Backy centering them, and I think that that would make a really good first line. So going on to the second line. Um... Left wing, I have Dennis Maruk. Maruk, yeah. Like for anybody who doesn't know, in the '80s, he once scored 136 points in a single season for the Cavs, 60 goals, 76 assists. 
that's insane in any era. Center, I have Adam Oates, former coach. And right wing, I have Peter Bondra. And all we did there was switch the two right wingers because I'm my partner. With Adam Oates in the middle. Adam Oates, another big uh, distributing man, giving it to Dennis Marouk and Mike Gartner, two big goal scorers. So I think... I was debating putting Gartner on the first line just because his speed, who he had the record for fastest time up until 2016 when Dylan Larkin broke That's it. That's very impressive. Yeah, so I was debating on putting Mike Gartner on the first line um, to have speed, and then you have Ovi and Backstrom together. But I decided to put him down just because I figured two big goal scorers on the first line is just going to be a nightmare for any defense to try to defend. And then I also have Adam Oates and Dennis Murray. Let's hear your third line. I'm interested to hear this. All right. So this is where I got a little bit confused, like a little bit lost, but I can give you my, uh, I can give you my, my reasonings behind them. So actually I think I lost. Yeah, I, I lost, I had a sheet up with the goal scores for the Capitals, but on my third line, I have Mike Ridley, and I'm going to mess up this name so bad, but Ben Gustafson, centered ben by Gustafson. Dale Hunter. I So Mike Ridley, where I kind of figured he was going to be a little bit of a under underestimated name there. But he ranks fourth in goals and eighth in assists in Caps history. Uh, he tallied 89 points in 88 and 89, which is pretty decent for for that era. I mean, we see a lot of uh, we see a lot of hundred point scores now. And I had his stats up, which I can get up here in a sec. But um, I figured he kind of went under the radar, and that's where I just, that's why I decided to put him up there a little bit more because his um, his stats were pretty decent too. Like it said, fourth in goal scoring, eighth in assists. Um, let me hear. And then Dell Hunter, who's one of the best centers in Caps history. So, who'd you have on your right wing? Uh, Banked Gustafson. I'm probably messing that up so bad, and I am so sorry. So for my left wing, I kind of cheated. I it's a right wing, but he is a winger. Um, Dave Christian. He had um a span of five years where he scored five or six where he scored above 50 points in every single one of those one year he scored 83 points with 41 goals center i have dale hunter obviously um um he's more famous for the fact that he hit that islanders play after they scored a um game winning goal to win a series and then right wing i have tj oshi wait who is on your left wing again dave christian i i might have to change one of my uh I didn't. I didn't see where. Uh, I didn't see anything where he had a uh, fifth. What you? What was that stat again? He he scored above fifty points in every single year he played for the Caps. Oh uh, yeah, every Hard single full year. Fastest goal by a player in his first game, scoring just seven seconds into his first shift. But that was as a Winnipeg Jet, not a uh, not a cap. But yeah, that's that's insane. Fifty points every season. He's in a full or every time he's in a full season. That's pretty good. Um, and here, here's Mike Ridley with Washington had 218 goals, 329 assists, and 540, 547 points in uh, his in his Washington career. 
So I figured he kind of went under the radar everywhere I was looking. I didn't really see him, but when I, when I was looking, since, you know, it is my opinion and I'm not a caps fan, so I can take it any way I want. I decided to uh, put him up there and then, all right, you, you want to finish off the fourth line or do you want me to start again? You'll, you, you start again. All right. I feel like I'm getting anyone who listens to this. That's a caps fan. I am terribly <laughs> sorry. All right. I, I have to give Jacob credit because I know he knows a lot more about historical hockey than I do. So his, his historical flyers team is much more respectable than my historical caps team. And I apologize. So with that being said, also, I did kind of cheat there too, because Mike Ridley was a center, but I put him on the left wing. Um, But with that being said, I will get into my fourth line. Uh, I have Guy Sharon and Dino Cicerelli on the wings, centered by Mike Pavanka. Which yeah, so I, I, I feel like that's a little bit more respectable than my third line. Yeah. My center, I have Michael Pavanka. Right wing, I have Dino Cicerelli. Left wing, I think this is out of left field. Um, when he played for us and when he was really motivated, he was a pretty good player. Alexander Semen. I mean, towards the end, it got really sour because he refused to speak English and had a drinking <laughs> problem. Like, but yeah but Tristan he like there's stories where he refused to speak English he only spoke Russian that is a captain's move right there yeah and um in a fight he once got his jersey torn off and then he started karate chopping the player I don't know if you've seen that clip but it's absolutely ridiculous but yeah Alex Simon he could have been so much better but he had a few good seasons with us wow I didn't see so when I was when I was looking around, like I'd look at um, like top players from other um, from like other websites and stuff just to like try to get um, insights on him. Oh, here he is, Chris Chris Simone, S I M O N, Alexander Simon. Oh, Alexander. I don't know why I thought you said. Oh, here he is, He's right next to Chris Simone. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, I my memory is terrible. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really ever see him on any of them. So that's why I just kind of went, but, uh, all right, let's move over to the defense. Defense was significantly easier for me than yeah. the offense was. So you, you want to your first pairing. Okay. I got Adam Langway and Scott Stevens. I figured Adam Langway, who's the best defenseman in caps history, uh, you get who's an all-around player you pair him with scott stevens who was more of the scrappy like aggressive type who would get more hits and everything and i want to say he led the team in he was leading the team in penalty minutes uh so i mean he's like kind of that. that scrappy big guy big hitter so i figured those two on the uh on the first line together would make a pretty good pairing my first line, I have Rod Langway, which was his nickname. That's what he's more known by, I think, among Caps fans, but same player. Um, Rod Langway and John Carlson as my first deep pairing. Uh, it says they almost put Scott – they dis- debated putting Scott Stevens at left wing. Or, that would have been very interesting to see. Big old it, Scott just is, it just says moving him to forward. That would have been interesting because he – like was one of the hardest hitting players in the league for years, especially when he played for the devils. He put up 60 assists twice for the caps. Pretty good for a defenseman. Yeah. Uh, 
My second pairing, I have Kevin Hatcher and Callie Johansson. I have Scott Stevens and Mike Green. I almost put Mike Green on my list, and I don't remember. I don't know why I didn't, but he. If I had a fourth line pairing, I know exactly who I'd put on there, and I'll say that afterwards. But I'm I wanted to put Mike Green up there, and I just decided not to, just because I thought there were better players there. Um, but hey, I mean, this is where we get the differences. Uh, and then for my fourth one, here's another one. Here's another name that I will probably butcher awfully, and I apologize. Al Iafrate, Iafrate, Iafrate. There you go. Iafrate. And uh, Sergey. Greatest stare in NHL history. If you haven't seen it, look up Al Iafrate. You will see the greatest haircut in NHL history. He was Zindano Char before he existed, but he had so much better hair. Are you on what? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) This is terrible. That's why I said it's the greatest. He's got dad hair. Yeah, and for the longest time, he actually he had the fastest shot in NHL history before Char broke it, I believe. All right, so if you've never seen Alafredi and you're watching this on YouTube, he has a patch of hair right here. It is in the middle of his head, bald, right behind it, and then he's got a mullet going on. He's, this he's kind of got like the Ben Franklin, but in the middle of his forehead, he has a little like patch of hair, like almost yes, like, it's like a yarmulke. He's got an island of hair right here. It's just this giant rectangle. And then he has nothing. And then a mullet. Yeah. But yeah, so, I'd say rocking the uh, rocking the Ben Franklin would be the best way to put it. And as soon as I look up Ali Afreda, like the everything that comes up is just his hair. Like Yeah, because it, it's so famous slash infamous. Like everybody, like almost everybody knows his terrible haircut. That is brutal. Who would willingly choose that? <laughs> who, who would who would willingly go? You know what? I think this would be a good hairdo. Yeah, Tristan, the loser of our fantasy league should have to get that haircut. Oh my gosh, that is terrible. <laughs> I don't have long enough hair for it. Uh, yeah, but my deep pairing is Ally Frady and Larry Murphy. I did not have Kevin Hatcher. Nor did you have Sergey Sergey Gonchar. I did not. Um. And then one of one of the picks that I went that I was debating putting up here, and I'd take this like as a little Homer bias pick because I've seen him play and I know the way he plays was John Carlson putting putting him up there maybe, which I decided not to because like I said it's too much of a Homer bias pick because I've seen him play, um, but I think he's one of the better passers on the back end that you've seen in a while, um, and then Mike Green was the other one that I was debating putting up there. And um, honorable mention for forwards. Um... Sergey Fedorov, Caps legend. Totally what known about, for playing for the Caps. What about Yarmir Yager? Oh, yeah. that Also yeah. a uh, n- honorable mention for the uh, Flyers, eh? Yeah. I can't, I can't believe he did so c- crap with us. He played on every team in the NHL. Pretty much. I, all right, let's... Uh. NHL former teams, Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, Dallas Stars, Boston Bruins, New Jersey Devils, Florida Panthers, Calgary Flames. That's impressive. Like, that is most of, of the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, pretty much. That's five of the eight teams in the Metro. <laughs> That's impressive. 
<laughs> and he's he's still playing too. He's 49 and he's still playing. He's not playing the NHL, but he's playing. No, he, he's in a uh, he's in a European league. Yeah, he's playing overseas. But yeah, he's still playing, which is insane at 50 years old. Could you imagine being some young kid in the European league and you line up next to Yaramir Yager? And it's like, dude, you're twice my age. What is this? But I mean, not only that, dude, he's one of the greatest hockey players in NHL history. Like that's, that's gotta be insane to be some 17, 18, 19 year old kid. Imagine you skate over and you're standing next to Yaramir Yager. Who played with Mario Lemieux. Exactly. Like (laughs) that is insane. He's played with some of the best players in the NHL. Like he was playing against Wayne Gretzky. I mean, that's insane to think about, in my opinion. But he's a crap capital, though. I mean, he was pretty decent for the Flyers, I think. He was, he was disappointing for us. Uh, and then goalies, I'll let you go because I want to see. Olaf Kolzig and Braden Holtby. Two All right, greatest, yeah. We two do greatest goalies in Caps history. I put Holtby up there. He won you guys a cup. There was no... And Olaf Kolzik, he's a great player. He took us to our other cup where we got smashed by the Red Wings, but that's besides. Yeah. Um, so that was the Caps all-time lineup. We went over the Flyers all-time lineup in the last episode, so go check that one out. Uh, I think we honestly agreed more on the Flyers than we did the Caps, because like I said, I think you know more about historical hockey than I do. So I think you had a little bit of an advantage there. We are going to do this for baseball and football too. We are finding it easier to do it in the off season though, because when you do it in the off season, you have a little, you have a little bit more free time so we can go over it more. So we are coming up um, transitioning from there into the MLB. We are coming up on the end of the year for the MLB, which we'll do that during like mid off season while we're waiting on, we'll do it after the playoffs and everything, which I mean, I already have, I want to say seven of the nine of yeah, starters. Philly, it's considerably Philly's easier than is so easy. I mean, it's mostly the 08 team and then a couple players here and there. Uh, it's pretty much a mixture of your 08 team and then that team that won with Mike Schmidt. So, I mean, it's it's a lot it's a lot easier for the Phillies. Yeah, but uh, for that, yeah, you have to think about the Nats, and then you have to think about. I'm considering the Expos and the very old Senators as well. Yeah. So that it should be, it it'll be a lot more difficult. If we're throwing in the Expos, I'm putting Tom Brady at catcher, absolute Expos legend. <laughs> if you want to talk about Expos legends, Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez, who we traded for some re- obscure reason. I don't understand that. I think Tom Brady was better. He didn't even play a single game. How about the Oakland Athletics legend, Kyler Murray? Or the New are, York Yankees? I know York you're not going to include any players, but would you consider the Philadelphia Athletics part of the Phillies or the Athletics franchise? Because I think you'd consider it more athletics. Yeah, I'd say athletics, not the Phillies. Like, when I think of Phillies, because, I, I mean, the Phillies have been around since early 1900s. Like, we're, we've been around for a while, so. Uh, and you've been mediocre for most of it. Yeah, but at least we have two championships. The Washington Nationals have how many? One. Yeah, that's we've a- been around a lot for a lot less time. That is true. You've also had multiple more franchises. Yeah. So 
there really isn't much to talk about the Nationals because they're just playing for a draft pick. The Phillies, on the other hand. The Nationals, we seem to find a way to lose in spectacular fashion. We always seem to blow these huge leads. Like I predicted one a few weeks ago with Nats and Philly. With the Phillies, you guys were up 6 nothing, And I said, we're going to lose this game. I knew we were going to lose the game, and we did. I don't know how you did that. I was watching the game, and after I watched, I was like, there is no way this man just called that they were going to lose. Yeah, we lose in spectacular fashion. This, I mean, another week, another week that I don't want to play, talk about baseball, because the <laughs> Phillies are depressing like they usually are. They're barely over 500. They are 73 and 72. I also don't even want to look at it because the Braves are only 76 and 68 and they're leading the division. The we're only three games behind the wild card, the Phillies, three and a half behind the Braves. This division is terrible. Whoever we play, like whoever we play in round one, we're gonna get demolished because both of our teams are terrible. This these kind of years are the years where I think that they should just do like hockey. Uh, Hockey doesn't really do that, actually. Hockey kind of does it, though. They're the closest to it. Actually, the NBA does it, where they just do the top eight teams from each conference. This this is the times like that where I think they should do that because neither the Braves nor the Phillies nor the Mets deserve to get into the playoffs. They are all playing disgustingly bad. The Bryce Harper and Joe Girardi have both said how embarrassed they are of the organization with the way that they've been playing lately. They're at a negative 21 score differential. Do you think Bryce Harper is somewhat regrets going to Philadelphia considering I don't think they're playing to what he thought they would? I don't know. Cause I mean, I'm sure he's looking over at the, uh, at the nationals and being like, well, at least I'm not in a rebuilding stage. Yeah. But like, the Phillies are somewhat yeah. the Phillies are still somewhat contenders. Like they're they're gonna they can make the playoffs, but they still have a couple pieces to put together to be able to be uh pennant contenders. I'm trying to the like the thing that's just so sad about the Phillies is our last four, our last four. Uh, series were all winnable the only one that i expected us to get destroyed on was the brewers which we did um we lost that series 12-1 but before that we lost to the marlins and then we lost to the rockies and now we're tied in a series with the cubs. we're tied in a series with the cubs like we, we're losing to lackluster opponents that we should be beating and i i don't even see what the issue is i mean our pitchers are all the same we lost the only really big change in lineup is that Reese Hoskins is out for the season. But I mean, J- JT Real Muto is still almost is still the best catcher in baseball. I mean, his pop time is insane. He went three for four last night, home run. I think this year Salvador Perez has been the better catcher, but Salvador of- Perez has been the better hitter. He's been the JT better hitter, but in terms of all around player. Still- JT. Yeah, JT Realmuto is still one of the best defensive catchers in the league, if not the best, which I think he is. Um, maybe a little bit of bias there, but 
That's all I'm saying. Uh, so, I mean, he's still one of the best catchers in baseball. Salvador Perez is just good for hitting. Um, I mean, our he's lineup. Bad, he's actually he's a good defender, though. Yeah, our 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 offense just isn't clicking on any cylinders. We lost to the Rockies eleven to two in one game. That's that's really bad. That like at this point, do you want to make the playoffs? I think you'd want the higher draft pick. The way I look at it is, we're already so committed to possibly to the playoffs to possibly make the playoffs that it doesn't even make sense to try to lose out. Because I mean, we're already past the trade deadline. We already have our veterans and everything. It just doesn't make sense for us to try to lose to try to get a better draft pick. In my opinion, I think it just makes sense to try to finish out the season. Hopefully we get a playoff push and who knows? I mean, maybe in the playoffs, we make a random push and get to the second or third round. Doubtful. Okay, okay, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves now, but I, that's why I said doubtful. (laughs) You never know. I mean, but on to something so much more interesting, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, he is a genuine contender to win the Triple Crown. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know what the Triple Crown is, is you lead your respective um, league, whether it's American or national, in batting average, home runs, and RBIs. He currently leads the AL in batting average. He's hitting 317. He's two points above the nearest the nearest batter. He leads the league and leads. He leads the league in homers with 45, and he's seven RBIs behind um, the leader of Salvador Perez. So that would be a very impressive feat considering guys who've won it have been Mickey Mantle, Miguel Cabrera. I think Yastrzemski won it as well. Mickey Cabrera was the last one to do it in 2012. Yeah, and it's 2012 and 80s. Yeah, no, it was the 60s. 60s? Oh, yeah, Mickey Mantle was the last one to do it. Yeah, so 67 and then 2012. Yeah, th- that would be a very insane thing to happen considering it put him in um, categories with guys like Rogers, Hornsby, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle. That would be that would be very good company for him. Did you see the Blue Jays are on a hot streak right now? I want to yeah, say the Blue Jays are doing so. That's what one, I honestly think will win. I think that's the reason um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will win the MVP over Otani is because Otani, he kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. His pitching hasn't been as good as batting. He's kind of fell stale. I wouldn't say completely stale, but it hasn't, he hasn't done as well as he um, was doing, but still an insane season. But yeah, the Blue Jays are looking like they could sneak into the playoffs. Um, I'm, uh, they they are eighty two and sixty four. They're actually tied with the Yankees. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're pretty close. Um, but with that, I think that's all I got. Like I said, I don't really like talking about baseball right now. The Phillies are such a touchy subject at the moment. They uh, they just need to step it up. I mean, they're not looking they're not looking good. There's nothing this, else. I'm just laughing at the Nationals. Um, the only thing I'm paying attention to is Josh Bell and Juan Soto. That's it. I'm just laughing yeah. at the rest of it. Uh, I'm hoping Bryce Harper still makes a push for MVP. Uh, but, I mean, I I've kind of noticed. Is the lead now. Huh? I think Tatis is the favorite now. Yeah. The, his batting kind of – it didn't fall off, but it's kind of slowed a little bit. 
he had like six home runs in uh, like 10 games, and now it's kind of slowed down a bit. So I'm kind of just hoping that he still makes a push there. Zach Wheeler fell off from the Cy Young, so it's not looking great because, I mean, our team hasn't looked great at all. Oh, so- before we go, um, shout out to Max Scherzer for reading three – for reaching 3,000 strikeouts. Holy. Um, great. Great by him. I hope we bring him back next season because I've heard that's a rumor that could happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with that, that is all I got. Is that all you have, Jacob? That's all I got. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So we will see you guys next week. See you later. If I can. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Come back again next week for another episode. Feel free to leave a rating and review for us to see and make the podcast more the way you want to hear it. You can check out the video version of this podcast on our YouTube, Brotherly Love in the District. Follow our Instagram at DC, where we post scores of Philly and Washington games along with big news updates, trades, and signings. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss on the show, DM our Insta at DC or email us at DC at gmail.com. Finally, I just want to give a huge thank you to all the people that listen weekly and keep coming back. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you on the next one.